kind of a straight roll in here, but still, whenever they can throw in that McCarthy, like, throw ad-libbed insults to beat a dead horse over and over again shtick, they, they try to throw that in there where it doesn't belong. Wait, are, uh, are, are you saying Wing, that uh, soup containing only one wonton isn't really funny? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. Or even if Super it's... Super funny. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 420 with a review of Ghostbusters. I'm Christopher Schnazy. <coughs> you know I am. <laughs> and you know who I am. Uh, and uh, me, Carson Patrick, and Stephen Miller. Yes. Um, we are here to show you the Spoiler Warning Podcast, which is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're uh, going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you this week. We are talking about the uh, the much controversial release of uh, the Ghostbusters film. Um, yeah, Ghostbusters, guys. Uh, you excited to talk about this film? I, <laughs> no. I guess, yeah. Not really, no. <laughs> um, it's just like, a, I don't know, you... From, from the moment this film was announced, I was, uh, I was not excited... I wasn't. I didn't hate it either. I just didn't. I didn't like where the conversation was going to go. Where I knew there was going to be some like rage reaction against it. But then it's also like Paul Feig comedies have been hit or miss for me for the most part. So I'm just like, uh, yeah. I'm glad that it's finally, finally done. Yeah, it's finally here. We've seen it, and we're going to talk about it. And then uh, you know, I can release it with a bunch of episodes at once, and hopefully it just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a pa- it's going to be a package deal. Three for one. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are going to talk about this film. I don't know how this conversation is going to go, but uh, we're going to do it. How about uh, we get started, guys? It will haunt you every night. Whatever it is, no one should have to encounter that kind of evil. Except you girls. I think you can handle it. Oh, oh good. Thanks. We have a gift. We see what no one else is willing to see. We do things others can't do. Ghostbusters. If there's a paranormal problem, we're the ones to answer the call. Hello. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. What do we think of these Ghostbusters? Are they to be taken seriously? Okay, you sweaty freaks. I'm about to save you from this ghost. Okay, so I don't know if it was a race thing or a lady thing, but I'm mad as hell. There's a bigger picture at hand here. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. We're going to need a bigger boat. Hey, guys, check it out. Kevin, come inside. I was born to be a ghostbuster, all right? Oh, man, that's so not good. Something big is going to happen. The word we're looking for is apocalypse. You want a piece of this? Yeah! The government's trying to claim the event isn't supernatural. We don't want a panic. We don't want mass hysteria. Get out of the city! Get out of the city! 
will kick the unliving crap out of you, and you, especially you. Patty, don't move. You got a uh... no. I'm tired. No, no. Listen. I'm just gonna go ahead and take off. How about that? I, I don't really think that's a good idea. No. Going to take off. Don't piss off the ghost. Really? All right, so that was the trailer for Ghostbusters. Uh, basically, um, some friends wrote a book once upon a time about how ghosts could be real. And, uh, you know, it's sort of just a thing that happened. And uh, they encounter some actual legitimate paranormal activity in the real world. And uh, they kind of come together to form a group, which uh, society labels the Ghostbusters. And uh, they are trying to bust some ghosts. And, uh, you know, mm. if you see some ghostly activity... Who are you going to call the Ghostbusters? <laughs> uh, it's it's answer the call this time. I uh, bizarrely, I don't I don't know I don't know why they uh, well, well they were sponsored by the U.S. the U.S. Marines, so they, they wanted to have a <laughs> catchphrase. Um, yeah. Well, no, I, I, I think it's, it's soldier. Th- this is like the 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 Ghostbusters assemble film. That's that's what answer the call is. <laughs> It just is so weird because, uh, like, you know, throughout the whole movie, they're trying to sidestep all the kind of famous uh, Ghostbusters catchphrases, like, in a humorous manner. And it's just kind of like, I, it would have just been better, I think, if you just if you just gave it to me. Just bust me. Yeah, what, 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 was, what was the, like, weird offhanded joke they make when, like, somebody actually says, who are you going to call? And then the TV ad for, like, Ghost Jumpers or something like yeah. that plays? Melissa McCarthy says, like, you know, in a really dramatic line reading, you know, like, well, you know, if all these ghosts are out there, like, who are they going to go to? Who are they going to call? And then it, like, cuts to that yep. that TV show. Yeah, it was super, super weird. But anyways, Carson, I mean, I would stake my entire life fortune on the fact that you did not <laughs> like this film. <laughs> uh, that would be a wise investment. I... Uh, uh, no, I didn't like this movie, and uh, I think I was kind of, I was in the same boat as Steven, you know, like, uh, I would even say that I was mildly excited for it, at least after seeing Spy, because uh, I do think, you know, Paul Feig's pretty hit or miss, and I, I thought the heat was not funny, and so Spy was kind of a, a welcome return to form, and it was actually entertaining and funny, and I was like, oh, well, you know, this is kind of, you know... Uh, I could see him doing Ghostbusters, you know, I could see this working, um, and, uh, but then everything leading up to it, basically once that first trailer came on, uh, it was just like, this is just not the way to go, like, I think that, you know, whether you're remaking, rebooting, sequelizing Ghostbusters, you know, whatever, like, I I feel like this movie is just an uphill battle from the start, like, they just they're kind of doomed no matter what they do um, just because the original Ghostbusters is so iconic uh, and beloved. Even if they had done the original plan of just making a third Ghostbusters movie with the original cast and Ivan Reitman back, like even that I feel like would still be pretty lame because it would just feel like a lot of these after the fact sequels um, you know, they just feel tired and, and, you know, you're just kind of depressed because it's like your childhood heroes just acting really old and whatever. But, um, 
I think that uh, I think that the main problem with with this Ghostbusters is that it is a, re- a reboot of the first movie, but it has like a major identity crisis. Like it 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 wants to be its own thing, yet it also wants to reference like everything from about the first movie um, and really play into that nostalgia factor. I mean, which is, I mean, that happens with a lot of these movies, you know, these delayed sequels or reboots or whatever. But I would argue that at least, you know, something like Jurassic World, which really played into that a lot and really annoyingly played into that a lot. At least that movie was set in the same universe as the first movie and the other movies, you know? Um, so the characters were aware of events that happened in the first Jurassic park. Like there's stuff in ghostbusters, this ghostbusters that is only like only the audience is aware of what they are. So like the stay puff marshmallow man shows up in like a different form in this movie. He's like a parade float or oh, yeah. whatever. You... But it's... Oh yeah. Never mind. I was going to make a joke about something else, but Sorry. No, but but like the characters within the the characters in this movie don't know who Stay Puft is, but like only the audience knows, and like that's the whole that's all that's all that this movie is, and you you have all the cameos from the original cast, and you know it the, the list goes on, and it's this weird like breaking the fourth. It's almost like another like facet of breaking the fourth wall, like. The audience knows, but the characters within the movie don't know. I don't know. It's just really weird because, like, there's there's been, you know, there's been a, several remakes like this, uh, like the the Total Recall remake and RoboCop and uh, Old Boy, and they all have these references from the original movies. And it's like, who is this for? Because the people who like the original aren't gonna like the fact that it's being remade. And then all the people who are unaware of the original, like, they're not going to get these references. Like, so it it just doesn't make any sense to me when they do this. Especially, like, when the whole point of a reboot is to establish your own identity in your own universe, which is what they should have done here. Because it's like, we know what Ghostbusters is. Like, we know, like, it's so inherently in the zeitgeist or whatever, like, that we, we don't need, like, another you know, like Chris said, a Ghostbusters assemble. Like, we, we know how they come come together. Like, they should have already been a Ghostbusters team and busting ghosts. Like, I, I mean, I think that the sort of origin s- story route for this was not the way to go. Like, I, I just feel like there's a whole just laundry list of, of you know, what not to do when rebooting a franchise, um, and this movie just checks them all off. Um, and, and I think the other really big problem that at least I had with this movie was the movie looks bad. Like, I think this movie looks like a TV pilot. Like, it looks like you're watching the pilot for an NBC drama. Like, I, I think that the, um, the decision to do, like, the flat sort of comedy lighting for this movie was a bad choice because what makes the original Ghostbusters is so cool is that like it it's not a comedy it's 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 like a legit supernatural thriller like but with comedy in it like it feels like a real movie this just feels like a comedy and then there's like these all these terrible looking cg ghosts 
which is a whole nother thing. But uh, and it's just weird because I feel like Paul Feig at least has a, a an old sensibility and an old style because his other movies don't have that look. They have like sort of a you know an older look and they don't have a lot of color correction and stuff. And and I don't know what the decision here to make this movie just look like very bright and like fake and it's just like it's really off-putting so i don't know that's that was just my other big beef with it and um i i guess the one positive out of it is which i know uh you know apparently you can't say this because you'll just be labeled as a misogynist but um chris hemsworth steals this entire movie like he is the one <laughs> hilarious thing in this because i think the the level of humor in this movie is just like it's 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 just very unfunny and lame like like all of the jokes like some of them are chuckle worthy but most of them just fall really flat and feel like kind of like a lame SNL sketch um like a lot of them could be could be followed by like a like a womp womp or like a cymbal clash <laughs> like that's the level of humor like Melissa McCarthy makes a debarge pun in this movie like that's what and and Ozzy Osbourne has a cameo. Like I I feel like the last time Ozzy Osbourne had a cameo was in Austin Powers Three, and that was even dated then. Like I I mean like why he even yells Sharon? Like I, he, they're not even married anymore. Like what? Who did this? <laughs> Whose idea was this? That's not funny. The worst part anyway. about his relevance is I don't even remember him being in Austin Powers Three. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Wayne's World Two is the last time I saw him. I think. <laughs> It was like they were the no, whole family. No, that's Alice Cooper. <laughs> Alice Cooper, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was it was Goldmember that the, they were all in it, and it was like at the tail end of like their popularity, like with their you know reality show and stuff. But I mean, it's just like I don't know, like just that's the level of like humor in this movie, and I, and I and I know that this cast is a lot funnier than the material. Uh, I mean, way funnier. Um, so, but. Chris Hemsworth though is legit funny in this. Like I feel like they put I feel like they put all the time and energy and like really trying to come up with absurd things for him to say and do and make him look silly and dumb and and not like focus on like the other aspects of humor in the movie. I don't know. I, I, but, I feel like yeah. I feel like he sort of just showed up and one taked every scene he was in. <laughs> and like I, I think that's half of the joke. Like I, I feel like there was zero effort put in by him on purpose and sometimes it worked and sometimes it fell super flat for me well i mean even if he put zero effort in i think the majority of his scenes are are real <laughs> are legitimately funny like they they are the, the uh they are like the one saving grace of this if if i were to say you know if there's one positive to pull out of it so anyway, <laughs> Stephen, uh, do you share uh, the sentiments of one Carson Patrick? Um, for a large part, I mean, I, I don't know. There, there are some movies I, I was telling you earlier today, actually, like uh, like when I saw Trainwreck last summer, um, I came into it with like pretty positive acclaim. Like for some reason, a lot of reviewers and stuff who had watched it had very good things to say. Like, oh man, Judd Apatow is back and. Amy Schumer is a star. She's about to be a superstar, blah, blah, blah. And something about my mood in the movie and the combination of jokes that 
for me, like, I felt like I could see them working the strings too much. Like, it just felt like very predictable humor combined with an audience that was laughing at absolutely everything. <laughs> uh, really soured the train wreck experience for me. Like, 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 there would be jokes and things like that that, you know, maybe normally I would just breeze through if I was watching it on rental. But when the whole crowd would erupt in laughter and I'm the only one not laughing, I would feel, like, angry at the movie. Um and when I saw Ghostbusters uh, two nights ago, I had, like, the worst kind of dumb, drunk seeming crowd. Like, people who were laughing when an actor would show up before they said anything funny. And it wasn't even a reference to anything. It was just, like, a random actor. And they'd be like, <laughs> oh, no, they didn't. Like, what are you guys doing? I, I don't know. I, that, that's a different rant for another time. But anyway, all that to say, like, my... My viewing experience was not the best for this going in. So, like, I will say I didn't laugh at this movie as much as I would have wanted to. And maybe not as much as I feel like the the comic actresses deserve in this movie. Like, my feeling, I'm totally with Carson about the ranking of Paul Feig movies. Like, I thought, I loved Bridesmaids. I thought The Heat was just not very funny. And Spy was kind of a return to this goofy, effortlessly funny uh, form of his. And here, I, I felt much more of the formula. Like, this this just felt like a complete SNL movie. Like, a cast of goofy sketch characters who maybe are funny for, like, three or four minutes, but probably can't hold up to, like, feature-length scrutiny. Um, and everyone is just playing what they're good at, basically. Melissa McCarthy does her kind of a straight role in here, but still, whenever they can throw in that McCarthy, like, throw ad-libbed insults to beat a dead horse over and over again shtick, they, they try to throw that in there where it doesn't belong. Wait, are, uh, are, are you saying Wing, that a uh, soup containing only one wonton isn't really funny? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. Or even if it's funny, it, it, should be, funny. It, it should be funny for like five seconds, like not not a rant about it. And that, so imagine she does that, and then everyone around you goes, "Oh no way, <laughs> no way!" I, I, I will say though, Ooh. during the credits, when she has the soup that's all wontons, I did kind of chuckle at that. Yeah, was, <laughs> they finally got you. <laughs> it was I, all I mean, set they, up for that one show. They broke him down. That That is a good example for the movie, though. Like, th there are things that, depending on how you play it, and maybe just, like, having the right tone, one that doesn't wait for the laughs, like, one that doesn't present a joke and then pause so everybody can chuckle at it. Like, maybe those throwaway goofy gags could be kind of endearing, more like a, like a goofy Andrew Samberg type thing. But here, I don't know, I... Like Kristen Wiig, I, I tend to love Kristen Wiig in almost everything she does. I think she's really funny. But here again, even though she's playing the same kind of character with her awkward, oh, look, I'm in love with this guy. Look at how awkward I am. Look at the, you know, look, look at my awkward one-liners. I, I just felt like I was being manipulated a little bit. Um, I think everyone is praising Kate McKinnon's performance in this movie, and I definitely think compared to the other characters, she's a lot more unhinged and like fully aware of what kind of ridiculous movie she's in. But even even with her, like the the scenery chewing screwball thing, it it worked intermittently. Like I liked what they were doing with the material, but I didn't I didn't have many effortless laughs in the movie. I felt more like I'm watching a bunch of sketch actors do a goofy sketch scene that would be funny if I were like drunk at an improv show, <laughs> but maybe not funny for a multi-million dollar reboot. 
Uh, and Leslie Jones, I don't really know what they wanted to do with her. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to agree with Carson, but I did feel like the two kind of movie-stealing secondary roles for me were Chris Helmsworth and Zach Woods. Like, other <laughs> Zach people, Woods was pretty great. Yeah, 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 other people just doing kind of goofy shtick that didn't feel too overbearing. Um, and and look, you know, it it's hard to be a lead in this movie. Like, this is a big budget movie that's trying to revive a large piece of nostalgia. It's trying, I assume, to set up multiple sequels and, like, establish all these characters as people we want to watch. And I just... I think they do that to the detriment of comedy. Like, real comedy would have them be throwaway characters they would crank up the absurdity a little more and instead they like they had to forge a friendship it has to be a movie about how they all get together they had to emphasize the origin story and i don't know it it was fine i guess it would be a completely fine movie for me to randomly catch on tv and get a few laughs out of but it just felt not worth it like like i feel like of all the things these four very talented comic actors could do together like ghostbusters just did not need to be high on the list so like not not bad enough to justify the preemptive hate that it got but also not good enough to like you know make me long for a sequel it was just fine it was an snl movie (laughs) that's all it was yeah, no, I mean, an SNL movie is sort of exactly the best description for it, because all these characters are doing the same type of shtick they would do with everything, any other property they did, except for they're used to doing it in short five-minute segments, right? Where, like, the whole thing is set up, delivered, and then finished in a short moment. When you're stretching that out to be two hours long or whatever this film is, it, it just doesn't doesn't work at all. Like, like Kate McKinnon, like, she, I think she's hilarious on SNL, in this film, you can't just cut back to her every two minutes and have her make a stupid face or sort of like ambiguously flirt with one of the other female characters. There, like that, that doesn't work as humor. It just works on as like, oh, you're just repeating this shtick again. Like it's not, it's not a thing that gets me excited or funny or makes me laugh. Like unlike the audience I was with. Um, I mean, I, I praise the film for not making all the jokes of Melissa McCarthy about her being a big woman, like since some of the other films that she's in sort of like sticks to that being the humor. Um, like I'm sick of seeing movies that she's in where, um, you know, there's a scene where she's trying to run away from somebody else who's more physically fit than her. And they say, I can do this all day. Um, cause it feels like every movie that she's in, there's some joke like that. Um, Kristen Wiig's fine, whatever. Uh, Leslie Jones, I've never been super excited about her comedy. Uh, she seems to be like the loudness version of Melissa McCarthy's shtick. Like she just like her whole thing is that she's loud. Um, that, that... I think her role was originally written for Melissa McCarthy. Actually, I think, yeah, I think I heard that. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They 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 swap because Melissa McCarthy has played that role, you know, many times before. Gotcha. Either way, it was just not exciting to me. Um, I I don't... I'm not the biggest... Let me put it this way. I don't have any nostalgia for Ghostbusters. Uh, I mean, the first film came out the year after I was born. Um, I've only like seen it in the context of other people liking it and uh being introduced to it when i was young i do remember watching the cartoon for the ghostbusters 
And if I, if you say Ghostbusters, the first thing I remember is the cartoon because that was the thing I've spent the most time with. Um, so I had no problem with it, this being remade. I was totally fine watching this film as a, st- a standalone film. But I think that there, it, it was not, I don't know, like, 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 when this film stopped trying to be a comedy and became like a weird, goofy action movie, I kind of enjoyed it more. Um, like towards the end where everything is actually happening and, uh, you know, they're going out and having their moment of trying to tackle all the ghosts and do all that kind of stuff. Like I kind of had fun with the movie once it got to that point. Uh, but everything before that, just just the, the buildup of the characters, um, I could honestly care less. I mean, I, I guess they have they have good chemis- with, chemistry with each other. Um, but it felt like a film that was really trying hard to make jokes that there was like, it was trying harder than the effort it was applying to it, if that makes sense. And I, I just didn't, I don't know. It, it was just a film that kind of bored me for a while, even though I was totally willing to watch this as a standalone film and not care about any of the previous property. It just, it just didn't deliver on just that enough in and of itself. Uh, I kind of liked some of the, the effects and stuff towards the end, um, uh, that stuff was fun, but yeah, I think I even like Chris Hemsworth the least out of the two of you. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I was totally willing to be the only person on this podcast that actually enjoyed this film. Uh, but then I saw it. So <laughs> I, I, I'm right there with you, by the way, about like, I enjoyed this much more kind of like the original as a goofy action movie than I did as a comedy, uh, which is why, and maybe the original had this too. I, I haven't watched it in a long time, but those moments where it tried to be purely comedic, like let all the actresses get out their one or two lines or do their weird, you know, the Judd Apatowish type, let's do a bunch of takes and have them pile on insults to a character. Yeah. Like when that happened, that, that was just not the movie I wanted to watch. Which is why, like Carson mentioned, the flat comedy lighting. And I totally get that. Like, this movie could have been a very fun action movie, but it was played as a goofy comedy. Yeah. And that put me in the mindset of wanting to have a certain laugh per minute, uh, you know, yeah. frequency that I just didn't, it couldn't achieve. Like, it, it didn't match that for me. I mean, it, it was set. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, if anything, it reminded me of, like, the Bewitched remake or something. <laughs> like, just a kind of weird, well-lit, fine, like, funny characters, but completely forgettable uh, comedy. Yeah, I mean, like, I-, I feel like it was set up that way. Like, I feel like Paul Feig's comedy style is very Apatow-ish. And this movie, I'm sure this movie has uh like what they did with Anchorman 2 where they could probably release an entirely separate movie with you know all new lines um cuz i'm I, i'm sure there's like a thousand un, thousands and thousands of unused material um that they cuz i mean every every line feels like an improved line it doesn't feel like uh it was scripted um and and you know Sometimes that works. A lot of the times, it's funny because, you know, it's funny how much Judd Apatow's humor has shaped, you know, the comedy world now because I feel like he's the only one that still knows how to do it, like, really well. Um, And even then, you know, people are 
now still getting on his case because it's like, oh, this is the same shit. But I mean, I, I mean, I like train wrecks, so whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that uh, like in this, I, I almost wondered if, you know, since Paul Feig's other movies have been R-rated comedies, I wondered if this... I feel like it would have worked better as an R-rated comedy. At least it would have been more interesting. Like it would have had an angle. Like uh, I mean, you know, if you get if you if you get all these people together, especially Melissa McCarthy and Leslie Jones, and you don't let them cut loose, I mean, what's the point? Like I I mean, it's just kind of lame. Um, but I know that you know they got to sell toys and appeal to the masses, and I think that that's really where like where my dislike lies is that like, I think the movie is, is whatever. Like it's, it's a watchable movie. I mean, I, I think purely for the fact that the concept of ghostbusters is inherently watchable. And like you guys said, you know, it, it was better when it was during the action scenes and it's like, yeah, cause they're busting ghosts. And I mean like that, that is like, that idea is cool and, and, and watchable. Um, and, and and you know it's not it's not one of these like grim gritty bro movies you know like where you're just like ugh you know that that whole stuff but it does like kind of go into that category of just bland core you know where it's just like it it checks off all the boxes and it's trying to appeal to you know the four quadrant demo and and, and I just feel like the execution of it was where I found fault because I mean, you know, I, I, I love Ghostbusters. Um, but you know, I don't think it's a sacred text. I mean, I think that there is, there was a good idea to be had in, in remaking it, but like they just went about it like in all the wrong ways and, and not, and not saying, you know, not saying that in casting all women as leads, like I was totally on board with that, but it's just that the way that they did it, you know, with, the humor and the look and et cetera, et cetera. Like that is where, you know, it all went wrong. Cause like they're trying to, I don't know. It's just like, they're, they're just trying to get, you know, as many people as they can to see it and also appeal to the hardcore fans. And it's just, I don't know. It becomes a mess, but yeah. Right, also, oh, sorry. Oh, oh no, you, you, you can go on. No, I was just going to say, also, there's another fucking portal in this movie. Like, stop. <laughs> just stop. Like, we don't need it anymore. Well, l- <laughs> like, l- l- yeah. L- let me put it this way. You you know that your comedy has problems when the funniest part of the film, for me, is not any joke you do, but every time uh, the villain comes on screen, in my head, I make the joke, oh, it's pretty cool they got Sam Smith to play the villain. <laughs> See, I kept thinking it's too oh, bad burn. they couldn't get Patton Oswalt because that's clearly who they wanted in that role. <laughs> I like did did you guys think I thought the villain was really lame. Like I mean, he didn't really do much, but he was just super lame like, "Oh, I was bullied and now I'm going to open this portal." <laughs> yeah, like, that so was that's, it. No, I, I was totally fine with the villain as being like this creepy nerdy dude who <laughs> was a loner. See, it's one was... thing though is because I and you mentioned how like you would have preferred this as an R-rated comedy. And, yeah. like, I get why they chose not to. I mean, they wanted to maximize appeal. And it kind of yeah. makes sense. Like, they had to just not fail here, right? Because the deck was stacking against them. They had the all-female cast rebooting a beloved franchise, and they didn't want to rock the boat too much. But, like, 
those they tried to take jabs at the backlash against this movie like yeah they're viewing comments on a youtube video and people are saying like bitches can't bust no ghost and uh they've they've got this villain who is this nerdy guy who is clearly in my mind anyway he was supposed to be the sort of person who would hate the idea of a ghostbusters remake (laughs) the the enraged ghostbusters fanboy exactly and like there's some edge to that if you lean into it, like well, if you're so, willing yeah. to really push it. So here, they didn't lean into it at all. Here's the question though. When they're reading the comments on their videos, are those real life comments from people who were upset about the first trailer? Because Probably if that's not. true, then like I watched it and I just assumed that they were reading actual, like they put in a scene where they read actual comments from the, th- the comments on the trailer from YouTube. Cause I, I, I mean, I just, took it that way for granted because I figured that would be a funny thing they would do. So those moments became like the bitches can't bust no ghosts were funny only in the context that I thought they were taking digs at people who left that as an actual comment on the original trailer. Yeah. I don't know if those are actual comments from the original trailer, but I do know that they did go back and ADR in lines and obviously, uh, you know, YouTube comments or whatever to fit that scene because they had already had that in there is that, you know, she got made fun of when they posted her video on YouTube. Yeah. They kind of, they kind of took that opportunity to like, you know, poo poo the haters. So yeah. Um, I don't know, but yeah, it it might be, who knows? They might've scrolled through and been like, Oh, this one was funny, but I guarantee you like that was probably, that was probably like one of that was probably like the safest one they could use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is again, it's like, yeah, this movie has no edge. Like, um, you're just kind of like, uh, you know, womp womp. Like, I-, I would prefer it to like at least try to be something more than like we've said than Melissa McCarthy, you know, just yelling that she didn't get enough wontons or whatever like that's just it's so lame you know um and i and i will say that uh i did like the the opening with zach woods i actually thought the opening was i was it was i thought the opening of this movie was was so well executed that i was like i'm i'm gonna like this movie like this is gonna be fun like because i feel like there was at least a sense of uh cinematicness to it and there was some there was some tension and spookiness and Zach Woods was funny and the the tone seemed to be right. Um, but then, you know, after that scene, it cuts right to the original Ghostbusters theme and you're just like, oh, OK. And then then you see the ghost and you're just like, oh, you know, it just became a downhill thing. After the, de- that. the deadpan delivery of his jokes in that opening scene, too, like those to me. Like, they're almost the funniest jokes in the film because they're purposefully not funny. And it's just a thing where, like, if you're not paying attention, there's not even really a joke there. But just the absurdity of the statements he's making while he's delivering facts about the house. Are you like, you're like, okay, that's yeah. funny. I, I enjoy this. Yeah. Right. And I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that, like, a Kristen Wiig can do very well. But they, they just didn't, they weren't willing to commit to the deadpan for any of the protagonists like they had to make big joke moments all the time yeah and i I don't know i don't i don't like comedy is a weird thing where i can't like the boundary between what is hilarious and what is not funny at all is like very hard to define but it has something to do with like when you feel them playing you (laughs) and this movie all the comedy felt 
like like i don't know people you know sat down by committee and voted on what would be the most melissa mccarthy thing to say here what would be the most Kristen wig thing to say here and something about like feeling that process really took me out of it it all felt too lit kind of like the writing process had comedy lighting all over it <laughs> i mean it's kind of it kind of had the the what i said about the Independence Day sequel, which is like everything felt like a deleted scene, <laughs> and like every every line in this movie felt like a deleted line, like a linorama. Like these are the lines that they didn't use, but somehow they are the lines in the movie. Like they they may have had like a really funny line, but they were like, okay, Melissa, like that was R rated. Like we got to keep this PG, basically. Um, and yeah, and like I mean, I. I think this this is just a personal thing, but like I don't find Kate McKinnon funny. Like I, I think that her at least her performance in this movie. I mean, I haven't. I think her her Bieber on SNL is funny, uh, but in this movie, like I read a review that said like that she was doing the facial equivalent of jazz hands, like the whole movie. <laughs> she um, was, yeah, which, for sure. which to me was like so like obnoxious and distracting like it was just it wasn't funny it was just like her making a goofy face or like i don't know like to me that just none of it was funny and i know that a lot of people have said that her character steals the whole movie but like i just didn't find any of that working at all but i mean i think that leslie jones is really funny and i know a lot of people don't find her funny um and I think that she is a person that can sell a line that isn't necessarily funny on page. She's kind of like a Danny McBride where you're like, oh, I didn't think that would be funny. But the way she delivers it ends up being funny. Um, but in this movie, she's just kind of she's kind of, you know, like I said, they all kind of have like a muzzle on. It's like they're not a- allowed to be free and let loose or cut loose, you know. Right. And I, I feel like she, like Melissa McCarthy is someone who can be very funny when they're allowed to be audacious. Right, And this yeah. movie didn't want to go audacious, and that, to the detriment, I think, of the characters. And it yeah. did make Kate, Kate McKinnon, like, I, I laughed at her. I didn't really like her, her background scenes where she was, like, always stealing it with a facial expression or whenever she's listening to anyone, then she's, like, doing some goofy thing in the background. Uh, but I did like the the weirdness of her character. But even there, it felt like that was the only curveball they felt safe enough to throw was the the jazz hands of a character like they weren't willing to go all out <laughs> they they could just have like individual goofy moments in the yeah the third person to the right in any given scene i, I will I say it, it was a weird dynamic i will say though my favorite moment in the entire film is her dual wielding pistols <laughs> like she was super badass in that moment and i like that, that was good i i like that too if I could just see two hours of that and just remove everybody else, <laughs> you got a movie. Ghostbuster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you take the scene, you know, in Bridesmaids where Kristen Wiig first meets Melissa McCarthy and Melissa McCarthy tells that clearly, completely improvised take about how she f***ed up her arm by falling off a cruise ship and then talking to a dolphin, like... You take that and compare it to the the improvised stuff in this, and it's like night and day. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just think that that kind of just goes back into like what we've been saying. Like, they just there's no edge to this movie. Like, they are not allowed to be, you know, who you know they're not allowed to be to their fullest potential. It's like kind of like 
um, you know, it'd be kind of like putting like Louis C.K. or someone like that in a like a PG-13 PG comedy and you're just like, why? Like, why did you hire him? But, but to, you know? to, to back that up, too, like, I, I can't even think of a scene in Ghostbusters that was her having a chance to just be improvised. Like, I don't even remember that. You know, I know the scene that you're talking Who, about. Melissa McCarthy? Melissa McCarthy, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I know the scene that you're talking about in Bridesmaids. Um, the other week when I was visiting my parents, they were watching uh, This Is 40 or whatever. And when you started talking about improvising, I remember the scene where oh, they're yeah, in the parent-teacher yeah, yeah, right. the parent yeah. conference the office, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. anytime she has a moment to just say absurd things that, like, are like nobody would actually yell that in an argument, but the absurdness of what she's saying seems so ridiculous that it becomes funny. Like, I don't, I, I couldn't tell you the scene in Ghostbusters where she was able, a, able to just say whatever she wanted and come up with a, a, something that sounded funny. Oh, I mean, I don't think she had that moment at all in Ghostbusters, but I do think that pretty much all of her lines and anyone's lines in the movie were, were improvised. They had the cadence of that moment, and, yeah, they and had that's the, what was weird. They had, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it had the same, yeah, cadence, but it just was without the the humor, really, and the, the edge. Because, I mean, because, like, the, the, that scene where she's, like, uh, fighting with the that one weapon that they're testing out and she's like, it's like fighting a gator. Like, I mean, she probably had like 40 <laughs> different takes of that where she was like, it's like fighting blank or, you know, whatever. And you know how I know it's like fighting a blank. One. <laughs> <laughs> you should be yeah, like too it, soon. It, Melissa McCarthy, there are children out eating, eating by gators. It, it anyway. did feel too tame. And I, I mean, part of that I think is the PG 13, but then maybe also for me the the era of the linearama is kind of coming to an end. Like like I rewatched uh, the forty year old version not that long ago, and like I still appreciated it nostalgically. But that felt dated as hell to me when I watched it. Like I I couldn't remember being the person in the theater who was roaring with laughter at that movie. And I think even in a movie like Spy, what I loved about it is that it didn't use Melissa McCarthy as a crutch. Like, it actually told a story. It went for the action beats more than the pure comedy because it knew that, I don't know, that maybe we've seen too much of it, but, like, that isn't enough anymore. And if you are going to go for the pure one-upmanship line delivery, at least let them say whatever they want. <laughs> like, don't yeah. don't put a muzzle on the comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Or subvert the expectations of a character. Like in Spy, Jason Statham was freaking amazing. Um, yeah. And I guess they're kind of su- subverting. Chris Helmsworth is like the Jason Statham of this movie. Yeah, yeah. But right, what yeah. he's doing is sort of just playing dumb instead of being a, like a, a caricature of who we would be in any other movie, right? Like there's, it's missing that element of like the entire joke is that he's hot and stupid, right? What Jason Statham mm-hmm. is is like he's literally saying things that he's done in other movies and explaining how ridiculous it is, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought they also subverted Melissa McCarthy's you know uh, character in Spy, where she got to play both sides. Like she got to play the the uh, the the straight woman and the the sweet nice Melissa McCarthy that we got to know in Gilmore Girls, and then. She played the loudmouth Melissa McCarthy that she became known for after Bridesmaids. 
Um, you know, because she was pretending to be like that bodyguard, so she had to act tough or whatever. Yeah, but she so she, she, got, she was she also def- an actual legitimate badass in that movie. Like, yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like they they got around that by you know not by having her flip back and forth instead of just being one or the other. Yeah. Or you know, because you would expect, oh, Melissa McCarthy as a as a spy, you know, she's just going to be you know Mrs. Loudmouth the whole time, and you know cursing at people and whatever and it wasn't all that it was they kind of did did both which was nice um and and maybe that was another strange thing here is with with the exception of kate mckinnon and maybe like a little bit of leslie jones they didn't they didn't really want to make the leads in this movie be actual badasses like they gave lip service to like oh look they're professors and they're great and they were right about all of this but there's no moment that I can think of where they are triumphant, <laughs> like where you look at what they do and you think, wow, they nailed that. Like, it, I, I don't know. Again, maybe it was leaning too much on the comedy, but they they weren't going the route of telling an actual story where you're rooting for people. It was, it was undercutting itself too much. Well, I think that at the end when they were, you know, fighting on the ghosts. That... <laughs> when they're actually triumphant. <laughs> she, well, I they mean, seem pretty I think triumphant that... then. You know, they were acting pretty badass in, in those scenes. But I, I feel like that was another, like, that was another trying to be wink-wink with the with the the women-hating fanboys with, you know, the with Andy Garcia as the mayor and the other girl from SNL yeah. um, saying, like, oh, you know, we gotta, we gotta keep debunking your, you know, ghost thing, you know, your ghost busting and got to keep telling people that, you know, this isn't what happened and like almost trying to say like, uh, you guys suck. Like, no, I don't know. Cause even at the end, it kind of seemed like she was just, they were like, Oh, well, great job, but we still like, don't like you. Like it, it there was like some weird thing like that where they were just kind of like not accepted even though they were. So I don't know cool i don't know i did i did i did laugh at Kristen wiggs line where she's like don't be like the mayor in jaws that was pretty funny spoilers i don't know <laughs> i was like that's one of the only jokes that you liked and you just got gave it away well you know whatever there's a there's a there's a fucking portal in this movie just that's enough of a reason to stay away yes um but uh yeah anybody have any last comments about the film uh, I do think that, um, well, at least I thought this before the movie completely ended after like the, what felt like half an hour of credits where the movie just kept going and going. Um, hey, those credits but, were the best part of the movie. <laughs> they were definitely up there for me. Yeah. Um, but cause I had the thought like near the end, I was like, well, you know, maybe if they make a sequel, then, you know, they've got all this, you know, origin crap out of the way and, and they can do their own thing. Um, but then at the very, very end, if you stay all the way to the end, there's like a reference to Zool and you're just like, oh, well, they're still going to go seemingly, you know, they're still, they're still referring back to the original. They're still trying to be nostalgic. And it's just like, don't, don't you pull a Star Trek into darkness over here. My my theater, by the way, shoot yourself in the foot. My theater lost their shit when, when, when what's her face is like, what's Zool? Really? Yeah, they're like like a bunch you of had people. A very like, knowledgeable theater. Yeah, you're, exactly. mine would not have done anything. Yeah, my theater is just kind of like, oh, it's over now. 
That's funny, though. At least they knew. Yeah. That's about the time when the guy next to me would be like, oh, that chick was in Bridesmaids. <laughs> Dude, there was a guy in my theater who, I mean, he had to have been loud because I was sitting down in the front section as as per usual, and this guy was like way, he had to have been way up, and like any time one of the OG cast members came on, he was like, oh, wow, like he had no <laughs> idea that, you know, they were all going to show up in this, and like he couldn't believe that they got Bill Murray to be in this. I was like, really, dude? Like, calm down. Anyway, he was very excited, so... I already told you about my guy who blew that on Jimmy Fallon's sidekick, Steve Higgins, as if he had been, like, a star of the original. Like, what? They got him? Like, name one movie he was in. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what? They got Ed, Ed Bagley Jr.? <laughs> yeah. They got Andy Richter? <laughs> all right so should we should we get to our reviews guys sure i don't i don't know if you if that was a joke or if if andy richter was in the movie and i forgot he wasn't i was just naming another random sidekick that Uh, would not be surprising (laughs) all right that's what that's what i figured (laughs) so verdicts sorry i ruined the joke i'm desperately trying to ring this thing in um all right, I'm not going to wait for you guys to say yes. I'm just going to go into verdicts. So, Carson, okay. if you're going to give us a must-see, a reckon with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I'm going to give it a uh, pass. <laughs> Ca- caveat being Chris Hemsworth is uh, the only reason to see this movie. All right, Steven. Yeah, I came in this with a wait for rental, but I have to leave it with a pass, I think. In, in talking about the movie, I could not find enough redeeming about it. it. It's fine. It doesn't warrant hate, but it's just like, why bother? Yeah, I think it's like almost like it's too much energy to hate on. Like, it's just not worth <laughs> the time to hate on. Like, I mean, I'm just like, whatever, like, just go away. Although it is weird how it has like a like a certified fresh rating but it's like the lowest certified fresh it's like okay all the sjw's trying to be like i'm not a misogynist whatever yeah i, th- I think if in, in order to truly hate this film you would need some whatever coils in a faraday cage to help juice yourself up to uh, <laughs> <laughs> provide whatever um, i'll give it a pass to um like it's literally the definition of a passable movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is like the most c-grade movie of all time yeah, maybe it's not even that fun as as much fun as we've had dissing the film it, it's not really that fun to diss it's just a film that you watch and no. you know, there there are a few uh shining moments of of actual legitimate joy that i had um you know the dual wielding pistols that i mentioned earlier was pretty fun and the use of you know whatever the weird ghosty blaster guns are in certain scenes were you know, enjoyable on some level. But uh, yeah, the humor falls flat. And uh, yeah, but I, I wasn't I wasn't worried about them destroying past nostalgia that I didn't have. So I can't hate the film for that. So it just gets a pass. Yeah, it definitely was not on the fun to hate level of Independence Day resurgence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. So uh, Carson, uh, is there any way that people can find you? 
Yep. Uh, yeah, you can find me wandering onto people's property at one in the morning trying to catch Pokemon and then getting shot at. So, <laughs> Steven? Uh, I don't know. There's like, if you draw lines between various Pokemon happenings in the city, I'm at the X in the middle. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm playing, I'm playing Wokemon. Is, is that like an off-brand version of Pokemon? <laughs> no, I'm, playing, I'm just... I'm playing Tamagotchi. Um, I'm, I'm still playing Pogs. Uh, you, you can find me uh, trying to pull my book off Amazon about how Pokemon <laughs> are real. Um, so you... Oh, <laughs> I love that book. <laughs> it's really great. My stupid partner uh, you know, put it up and... yeah. Didn't, didn't, didn't ask for permission, but it's now for sale, and I'm going to lose tenure at my college, so... Dude, slight tangent, but you can buy the actual book from the movie on UrbanOutfitters.com. Like, they actually wrote the whole book. Someone, some, hor- like, underpaid intern probably had to sit there and type the whole thing, and then went Jack Nicholson crazy after they finished it, probably. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, they, you can buy the book. <laughs> Is Urban so. Outfitters the the main place people go to buy books nowadays? Uh, you can I, buy books like a poop diary or the yeah. one with the hole in it where you put your penis in and it yeah like stuff like that pictures like all my friends are dead like the dinosaur book um, like joke books so I guess gotcha. that's fitting that it's on there I, don't I didn't know. know Urban Outfitters was the new Spencer's it's kind of like that yeah. I guess with less uh, edible underwear, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, uh, yeah, people can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to uh, Ghostbusters, so hopefully you're enjoying that. I'm not afraid, not afraid! <laughs> I'm not afraid, not afraid! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fallout Boy, killing it. Yeah. That's how you yeah. know the film was targeting the right demographic when they used Fallout Boy <laughs> for the song. Although, weirdly, within the movie, I was like, okay, it's fine. Like, when they played it during the montage, I was like, alright. It's better than that L. King song where she's just like, I don't know, talking about how, like, well, I'm gonna go to hell, so I better be a bad girl. It's like, whatever. <laughs> alright, well, uh, thank you guys for joining me on this episode. <clears throat> you're, you're welcome you're, you're very welcome <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna go try to uh, clean this ectoplasm off because it got in every crack and I mean every crack oh that was definitely one of those laughs that was not <laughs> you wanna a laugh, take that line way. again <laughs> can we use another take <laughs>